0: all right welcome back everyone to yet another episode of seaweed brain we are still working our way through the mark of athena we have the lovely (laughs) boat stable scene amen among other great moments so stick around
1: Hello, y'all. Thank you, Carter, for that intro. Everybody, big round of applause for Carter, who turned in their thesis and is now basically free of college um, and is learning how to skateboard. So it's true. Some of us are living our dreams and some of us, us, us aren't. I'm also learning how <laughs> to skateboard, but I'm not done with college. So a <laughs> <laughs> hey. big, big, big welcome to our special guest for this episode today. Blue Sitten. I, has been a loyal, loyal listener of our podcast, basically from the very beginning. I don't know how you found us. We've read your words before aloud. So people may recognize your name Yeah, without warning just... there. <laughs> yeah. You really did. We really, really my, did. You did read my essay on Rachel Elizabeth dare. Yeah. Without and telling it was like me. months after you had sent it to us too. So I really just Just gave you a sweet little surprise. (laughs) It's
2: okay. I I enjoyed it. It it made my heart warm. I was just, you know, a little bit embarrassed, but
1: it's okay. As as they say, it's embarrassing to be perceived. Yes. It's embarrassing to exist. Being perceived is so embarrassing these days. So Blue, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Tell us where you're at in the world and tell us about your love of Percibeth. Wow, those
2: are great questions. And suddenly I have no personality and no thoughts. <laughs> um, basically, I'm a senior in college. I am graduating in less than a month, about 34 days, I think is the countdown. I go, I no, we don't share what school we go to. I remember from the early days. Yes, <laughs> um, vintage seaweed but I live in Florida, recently got back into Percy Jackson during quarantine, like so many of my Percy Jackson fandom friends. And I got my lovely fiance to read it with me. And it's really just been a great time to be a part of this community. And I was really an early listener with Erica and Carter. I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but fate was (laughs) truly um, working its magic there. And now I have um, these great relationships in this Percy Jackson community. And I, I really love it. And I'm happy to be here. I loved reading the Percy Jackson books as a kid. I was that angsty child that was like, please don't ask me to do anything. In my eyes, the world is ending because I was reading The Last Olympian. And I think, <laughs> I, think I stopped around House of Haiti. No, but I was waiting for like the last book to come out. And then I like got distracted because I was in high school and there were things to do. You know, there are other books mm-hmm. to read that were trendy. <laughs> so I had to get into that. But yeah, rereading the books has definitely been a cathartic and wonderful experience for me. And I love Perciveth. I do think they're the greatest love story ever told. You don't have, to, it's not even a question in my eyes. And I say that as someone, I say that as someone who truly loves rachel elizabeth there with her last dying Mm. breath i think Mm first beth is the best greatest love story to ever be told heck yeah well everyone can stop listening now (laughs) (laughs) what's your major so great question my major is communication which basically means i talk a lot Um, (laughs) with a minor in marketing and a focus in public relations lots of businessy bullshitting people and talking (laughs) That's okay. I literally have a degree in
1: musical theater, which means I'm annoying a lot. You know,
2: which means you're my favorite type of person to be around. So in another life, I was an arts major and I actually have friends in in this world. I just have competition. So. I grew up in musical theater, if that counts. I, I, don't, I think that's pretty obvious in my personality that I was a musical theater child. But yeah, I had a lot of fun. I also watched Glee like you guys did. Um, I also think that that death cab for cutie song is really good <laughs> and really applicable to this story. I referenced in this episode, it's in this episode outline. outline.
0: It's true. We're gonna get to it.
1: I thought I thought it might be. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get through these two Piper chapters before we get to the good stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we left off a episode with Piper in the fields of Kansas, dealing with the fact that Percy and Jason are about to square off in a dramatic fight to the death that uh, neither seems particularly to want or, you know, have, have agency over. There, there are other there are other mind-controlling beings at play here that we don't totally understand at this point in the book. I don't... Okay. Erica really likes this fight, I think. <laughs> I, I don't love like it. I don't know. I just find it entertaining because I think Percy would crush
1: him. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it is entertaining in that sense, but I think the Jason and Percy competition is stupid, and I tell mm-hmm. Josh this all the time. I told him I wouldn't mention him this much, but here I am. <laughs> I think it would have been so interesting If the competition or the duel or like the power struggle was between Annabeth and Jason just because they have a similar background more so than Percy and Jason do like both grew up in their their camps both have defended it since they were what seven years old like I think that it's just the power struggle should have been between Annabeth and Jason and not between Percy and Jason because Percy's the best.
0: I really like that. That is I like that a lot. so cool. But they, they like build up to that too in this books where like Annabeth explicitly tells us like we shouldn't trust Jason and Jason explicitly tells us that he does not trust Annabeth.
2: <laughs> and we'll get to this later when we talk about them, like the little conversation about the Mark of Athena, but like they definitely are, they go head to head a little bit in those conversations.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. That would have been super cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Also with like Annabeth's imposter syndrome about being the leader and Jason's like, I don't want to be the leader, but I guess I am. Everyone bow down to me. Like that (laughs) tension is so interesting. I love that.
0: Yeah. They do give Jason a little, I feel like a temporary power up in this moment so that the fight is um, (laughs) more even and cool. (laughs) It's very, I put this in the notes. This reminds me a lot in this moment of Captain America Civil War, where there's a moment where we're supposed to believe that Captain America, a strong, regular, man with a shield is going toe-to-toe with Iron Man, who is basically a nuclear weapon as a person. It's fine. Thank you.
2: I actually just watched Civil War last night, so <laughs> oh, I'm wow. well versed in the topic. My roommates and I are doing a Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch in Hell, timeline order. Yes! It For is us. really great. It's brought us closer together. Um, Abigail is a, a Thor stan. Wow, I really said Abigail's name on this podcast <laughs> too. My favorite is Iron Man, and Josh's favorite is Captain America. So it's an interesting dynamic that we have. Yeah. But I agree. That fight was very similar, and I think it's stupid, that final scene where Captain America shoves his stupid little shield. <laughs> in. The, ugh, it's so dumb. And you're right. the Captain America and Jason Grace parallels. Parallels. Right. It drives me insane. I hate them both. I am really surprised that Iron Man is your favorite. I feel like I would not have guessed that. Yeah, I mean, you basically get a war criminal or a <laughs> capitalist billionaire, so your choices aren't great there. But yeah, no, I love Robert Downey Jr. I love Iron Man. He it's does a great job
0: in Ali McBeal's fourth season. For anyone who has a Hulu account, <laughs> no one's going that As on, we've fine. said
1: before, <laughs> his true his true great film though is the Doctor Doolittle remake that nobody watched this year.
0: And we're not, not even going to speak about the Sherlock Holmes thing that he did. I mean.
2: I know how you feel about the BBC Sherlock so Carter we don't need to go into it but we don't need to go into
0: it we don't need to go into it Sherlock has you're talking to a super
2: who lock veteran you're talking so it's pretty Whoa. rough wow, I
0: said super that. that was a moment in I time said those
1: words Ooh, I said those wo- why did I do it why did I do it besides um, our friend and former guest Alex we haven't had a lot of like doctor who perspectives on the show so like we're trying wow. to welcome diverse opinions yeah anyway this came out of me questioning blues taste in Iron Man so we can get back to,
0: <laughs> to, to all of our credit the fight that does sort of grind to a halt with Percy giving Jason another head injury. The second and I feel like, two days, <laughs> that man is going to be concussed. concussed as hell. This is genuinely concerning. I'm worried for him. But Percy's about to strike the final blow. And we find out, of course, that he is under control by the Edelons. We didn't look at that pronunciation ahead of time. No. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, fine. <laughs> but yeah, we, we get this little expositional moment where we find out what the Edelons are, who they work for. They take control of people's bodies. We're pretty sure this is why Leo fired on New Rome now. And Piper is able to sort of incapacitate them, but mostly get Blackjack to save the day, knock Percy out from behind. Thus concludes this little mini fight that we had between these two people that is important enough to be on some of the book covers, apparently.
1: Weird. (laughs) So weird of them. Weird choice. Very weird of them. But yeah, and then they head back to the ship. Piper throws the concussed bodies of Percy and Jason onto Blackjack. Joshua also had something to say about that
2: moment where Piper
1: supposedly slings to
2: muscly teenage boys onto the back of a flying horse yeah that felt weird to me also we
1: both thought that was one a little unrealistic and two quite difficult for the young gal so yeah piper's whole thing is that she is like not actually like strong or like good in combat okay yeah so we get back to the ship the eidolons who knows are possessing people excellent line (laughs) as um after (laughs) percy and jason wake back up with like the ambrosia and the nectar they start arguing about who actually would have won the fight jason's like yeah well there's no oceans in kansas and percy's like I, I mean don't mean ocean. Ocean,
0: bitch.
1: <laughs> and then annabeth goes boys i'm sure you would have both been wonderful at killing each other it makes me nauseous it truly makes me
2: nauseous it's the stupidest thing why are they fighting you have nothing to fight about get let literally let annabeth deck jason in the face for crying out loud
0: <laughs>
1: she so should
2: ridiculous she Does has so no more reasons to hate him
0: it's true. It's That's very all I have true. to say about that.
1: She can judo flip Percy. She can, she can drop cake Jason. Jason. It's true. Yeah, Sorry. I feel very strongly about Paris. it. And then we have this little cute little mess hall meeting for the seven. We must cherish these moments as they are few it's, and far between. They're my favorite moments in the book. They are so cute. so cute. We get exposition, exposition. We know that the Romans are actually fully chasing the Argo too. So that's something we need to keep track of. And Octavian has basically like usurped Reyna, probably, which is like eh, barf. I don't even know how that's possible. That speaks to the weakness of the Romans and how we despise their community. <laughs> You're right. As, as aforementioned. Yep. Important plot point that Gaia is probably going to like sacrifice one boy and one girl from the seven in order to like erect her new world. So that is hanging over us. Someone's going to die or two people theoretically will die. I don't even know how to say this, but there's just a line about like Leo's talking about chicken nuggets and Hazel is like, what's a chicken nugget? And that's just like, it's really incredible. The moment I have been waiting for like, why bring someone back from the dead if they're not going to be like, what's a chicken nugget? So it's amazing. I really think it's moments like those that make this book Mm -hmm. so good. And a lot of those moments include Leo. So I'm just gonna say that right now. That moment did include Leo, but he didn't have the punchline. So therefore (laughs)
0: Leo responds afterwards and says something about her being his apprentice because he can tell her what a chicken nugget is. Yes,
1: it's cute. They have chemistry.
2: (laughs) Sorry. Take it back.
0: I don't love it. I don't love it. Listen,
2: listen, Erica, you said it yourself. You said said it yourself, Erica. In I just listened to this podcast about Hazel. Where you said in another world, if there wasn't this weird age difference, that Leo and Hazel had a little more chemistry than Frank and Hazel. And you said it, and <laughs> I'm just seconding that motion. I've never on the record saying anything of this. I respect everybody. I, I, I would like all three too. of
0: them to have fun single people journeys, learn about themselves. <laughs>
2: I agree. <laughs> for like another oh, no, year, That's at least, probably you know? best
0: for but- them.
1: That's probably
2: best, <laughs> especially if she's thirteen. They're just, just don't yeah. give her a
1: boyfriend for crying out loud. I do not want Leo with anyone. I just think it makes more sense because of the Sammy plot line. I think the Sammy plot line doesn't I make agree. sense. I, I don't agree. think they have chemistry. I agree. However, chicken nuggets freaking hilarious that's a great line um as we're like down in the mess hall like getting all this plot stuff figuring out how to save the world etc cetera, etc cetera, coach Hedge is just upstairs steering the ship that apparently has autopilot so why does he need to be up there first of all second of all singing sea shanties need to make so loud important. that they can just hear him below deck and i just love that it's so someone dumb. needs to get leo like a pirate's
2: captain hat because that would have just been great i would have like loved the that triangle one the tricorn hat
1: yeah like like a pirate captain hat so he can be captain i, I just it think it's great <laughs> also just no that's dumb i'm like no i'm gonna say it the ship in the sky that's like percy and jason like put together i don't know yeah nice metaphor yeah then the end of this meeting they decide they're going to head towards atlanta to meet the old sea god forces for size what do Forkis, we care?
0: i think speak that's your truth right we can butcher we can butcher it. this is not a It's fine. I think we're allowed to.
1: Yeah, we can butcher it. We'll butcher that Kais. He is uh, an old sea god. So we're going to go find him, which is going to be hard because Atlanta is a landlocked city. (laughs) But as we're doing this, Piper is like, we're being watched. And this is like a fun moment for her.
0: It's a big power up for her. Yeah. So Piper, basically, she isn't totally sure, but she stops everybody as they're about to leave. And she just says... The Adalons are here. They're in this room, and I am going to get rid of them. I will find a way. And, you know, turns out that they're physically in the bodies of Leo, Jason, and Percy at this point. So she's sort of like talking to their physical bodies with the golden eyes while these demons are speaking out of their mouths and Mostly just, like, insulting her telling her that she's not good enough to um, to take them out. A lot of trash talk from them, but she she does. It works. I think um, it would have been
2: really interesting if in here we had it some sort of little moment. Like, I get why it's from Piper's perspective. I get it. It's her power-up. But I think it would have been kind of cool if someone could have mentioned, oh, Jason looks a little bit like Luke with his golden eyes and when Luke was possessed by Kronos, because that could have been a really oh. cool little conversation. And no one
0: has that Ooh. conversation. Where is Ann Beth's PTSD coming back when she narrates her section of oh, the it's book? There. <laughs>
1: Homie, it's there. It's fully there. Why did I say homie? I hate myself. It's there, okay? I totally agree because I was, as if we were reading the scene, I was like, oh my God, it's so cinematic. Like, this would look so good on the TV show in like seven years when they get to this book. That would be like such a great moment to like pan over to the actress playing Annabeth and like take that hit and then go yeah, back over. Yeah. Ah! Absolutely. It could have been really interesting. Another great line, when the Eidolons are possessing them, she like focuses on Leo. She's, she focused on Leo because he was the least intimidating. remember how they're supposed (laughs) to be best friends
0: yes they're the only two who actually know each other from before besides percy and and she just does not respect him
2: she does not but we do get to see their relationship mature and i think it's really cute when we do see leo and piper be there for each other because i love that there are yeah like i love seeing that relationship develop because it's it's sweet Mm -hmm. yes
1: um, this is not one of those moments. <laughs> no, not at all. She uses her
0: charm speak to to get the the demons to swear on the river sticks that they will not continue to inha- I think they said like they will stay off the ship and they won't inhabit the members of the seven. So it's a big deal. This is right. something we haven't seen her do before, and this feel like unlocks a whole new like range of possibilities for her. She can get people to swear to do things on the river sticks, which is basically like a formal forever commitment device. That's a power-up. That's a big deal. We love yeah. that for her.
1: Big tactic. Go, Piper. And
0: as they're leaving, <laughs> Percy falls face-first into his pizza as soon as the Eadle leaves his body. We love this for him. And it's not just Percy. Piper catches, <laughs> Piper catches Jason and Annabeth and pulls Percy out of his pizza. But then Leo... Leo hits the floor. He fell
1: towards Frank, who made no attempt to intercept him. Leo hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> because
2: because both Hazel and Piper caught Jason. Both Hazel and Piper caught Jason. And Leo fell
0: to the freaking ground. It's both too heavy handed in their whole Leo is forever alone, seventh wheel messaging. But also, I think this was so worth funny. it because it's so funny.
2: It's really funny. <laughs> I appreciate
0: I it. We also have the excellent line. This moment. Jason says, does this mean that I can stop getting head injuries now? Nope. Lol. And also it does not. Your brain is so damaged. I
1: don't say this lately. I've been watching a lot of Riverdale. (laughs) I watched, I think, two seasons of Riverdale in the past, like, two weeks.
0: Erica made me watch the Heather's episode of Riverdale because we had a conversation about it last time.
1: And so, no, I've
0: watched it. God,
1: why? Are you okay? Am I okay? No. It's a cry for help. But Jason has so much Archie KJ Appa energy that I was like, <laughs> maybe he should play Jason in seven years. He's constantly Amen. getting like beaten to Amen. a pulp and he just gets dumber. And there's a correlation between it. And it's like, why aren't we going to name it? Like, he has multiple head injuries.
0: I've never heard that (laughs) analysis of Riverdale before. That that Archie is getting dumber because of the head injuries. But it does seem right. That's really
1: funny. I'm sorry. That's so so funny. I'm finally, like, caught up to the point where I'm, like, appointment television for Riverdale. Anyway, just had to get that out there.
0: Appointment television for Riverdale. After (laughs) After this whole Elon episode, Piper gets them all out. They're cooling off. Piper and Jason have this debrief conversation on the top of the ship on the deck (laughs) this conversation is both very understandable in terms of what we would expect for piper having just been through an experience where jason almost died and she had to make a choice about whether or not she would try to stop Percy from murdering Jason. But then also, it's so whack. Like, uh-uh. I'm sympathetic to her, but I'm also not. I'm <laughs> like, so, she's so
2: tired of Piper. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so mm-hmm. tired mm-hmm. of it. Every time she says something like this, I'm like, why? She's like, why are you
0: like Jason, this? it was so hard for me to almost lose you. But also, I was so scared about what per- was happening with Percy and the person I became. And, you know, I might have let Percy die to save you. And I felt so bad about it. And Jason goes, no, it's fine. You know, like... That was the heat of the moment. And then she immediately turns around and is like, please, Mother Aphrodite, powerful goddess from before the other Olympians, if you have any strength, please let it be someone else who dies. Let one of these other people <laughs> on this crew be dead instead of my oh boyfriend, God. like potentially Percy. And then,
1: and, and, and then she's like, the Aphrodite heard that. Aphrodite heard that and she said, no, wrong decision, Piper. That boy's dead. We have to take him out for your health. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. the Aftergirdi was actually looking out for her. <laughs> oh yes. But anyway, that's like only one part of what makes this scene so weird and awkward. They just like yes. especially because we're about to talk about this gorgeous chapter with Percy and Adabeth it's just so apparent like how Piper and Jason just like doesn't exist <laughs> they don't have any dialogue they're just like looking at each other for, for what seems like maybe three seconds and then they just get interrupted or they're just like standing there in silence I really like
2: how you commented like we never see them like on the same page no. and I like you don't you'd never see them on the same page emotionally mentally yeah. like they're just not there they're
1: not it's the brain don't go they're not connecting at all and like yeah there's all these little sentences that are supposed to mean something else but just read so differently like she wanted to kiss him but something held her back and like she knew she should just enjoy this moment with him but she couldn't <coughs> and it's supposed to be because she has like other things on her mind but it really just reads as like she doesn't actually like him and they have no connection whatsoever and like the happy memories that she thinks back to are like First of all, the ones that don't exist. And second of all, like, the moment they first met when they fell into the canyon and they, like, didn't know each other. And she was like, he was the best boyfriend ever. And almost died. You almost died and you had no idea who he was and you still don't know who he is. She's dating a mannequin. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird.
0: Having a scar makes him interesting, etc. Like, that's a, that's not, I feel like that's a really weird thing to say to someone who you, like, people's personalities make them interesting, but um
1: Luke had a scar, and that was not what made him. It interesting. was not
0: what made him interesting. Yes,
1: Piper also. I forget okay, that you're Luke
2: apologists. I forget. That I'm you're not, Luke a Luke apologist. Apologist. not a Luke apologist. I not a Luke apologist. You both are. Luke. I listened to your podcast. We are not apologizing for. We are apologizing to ourselves for the relationship we
0: have with Luke. We are. We are. We are people who are not free of him yet. But we're working on it.
2: <laughs> we're
1: recovering Luke Pollard.
2: I get it, guys. I get it. You, I, I hear Thank you. you. Thank Blue you. Thank you. here to keep us accountable? I'm just saying, I listened to everything you had to say <laughs> three times through. <laughs> Three times through. I'm just gonna put that out there. You don't think you know me as well, but I know you pretty well. <laughs>
1: the on. way that you are diagnosing us right now is so
2: so hard. No, I, it's
0: necessary. I appreciate I it. No Thank you. No one said
1: anything about a diagnosis. <gasps> Sit with the uncomfortability. Sit with it. Absorb it. It's true. It's true. Process it. I would really like. I
2: would like to hear more of your thoughts on that quote about how she talks about the other seven. Yes. Or the other the other Yeah, talk about that for me. I'm interested it, in Carter. let's let's in your, read the quote. Let's read the quote there. so that
0: we are all on the same page here. How could she live with herself if any of the seven demigods died? Already. Each of them had endured so much. Even the two new Roman kids, Hazel and Frank, whom Piper barely knew, felt like kin. At Camp Jupiter, Percy had recounted their trip to Alaska, which sounded as harrowing as anything Piper had experienced. And from the way Hazel and Frank tried to help during the exorcism, she could tell they were brave, good people. I don't think this works. I find this incredibly <laughs> clunky, right? <laughs> like Rick, mm. he's doing this thing that not to keep bringing this back because I we are all trying to be post-Ryan Murphy as a society, but Whoa. this reminds me of what would happen on Glee from seasons three onward where he thinks mm-hmm. that if you say, oh, there is a plot hole. There is this weird thing about the relationships between these characters that I have not resolved and I have not written. If I just mention it, then it's fine. Then we're all on the same page about how this is weird, but we're just going to proceed as though it's normal. And it's not. And it's not. (laughs) Piper has no reason to feel this way about these other people. It's one thing for her to say, like, I feel guilty about how I don't feel this relationship with them, or, like, I'm sure... Yeah.
2: That would have been so much more realistic. Mm -hmm. Or if we could have actually seen them build a relationship, and then I could have been convinced that she does care about these people. Because... Don't don't Hazel and Frank both know Jason to some degree? Like, like maybe if we could have seen that a little bit, Jason would have maybe recognized him. We could have seen a conversation. Mm -hmm. We could have seen Piper maybe like understanding Jason's history at the Roman camp. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm. there were just ways he could have done it. And this feels so lazy and so unconvincing. Piper doesn't care about anybody but but Jason and Annabeth, clearly. Probably
0: Leo a little bit. But they don't, like, it's true. They don't write her with. Frank or Hazel, at basically any point in this book, which is supposed to be the book where they're all getting to know each other, the only real Greek Roman new relationships that we're forming here is that they do this whole irritating ass, Percy and Jason shit that no one actually needs and no one's here for, and then also, of course, the Frank Hazel Leo thing, which is also a mess and why why do we have it? They're not. The relationships that would be more interesting for them to write, we don't really see. There, there's this very brief encounter with Annabeth and Hazel and Piper, the girls' trip in Charleston, right? But beyond that, we don't, we don't see a ton. And instead, we're just given these one-off lines saying like, "Oh, like they didn't really know them," but, but of course, I would die for any of these people.
2: I just like white men being competitive is so annoying. Like, I don't care. I don't care at all about Jason and Percy dueling each other i don't care at all about their dynamic just let them be bros that would have been so much cuter like let them be stupid little
1: bros and let annabeth and jason fist fight i'm gonna take (laughs) it to my grave i totally agree but also like the reason why the fights between percy and jason work for me is not because like i find it entertaining for white men to fight because I would literally find the notion of Percy killing Jason to be so entertaining that It'd I like so want to see it like, because I, he would beat his ass I want to feel it happen like I want Percy to take him down and just prove it Carter <laughs> do you not feel the same
0: my okay I have not said this before on the podcast uh, my my wildly spicy take is that House of Hades, Jason gets better, not becomes a good character, not becomes likable for me. It's still my least favorite out of the seven, but does get better. And I feel bad. But I'm also about to immediately retract this because Jason's about to completely disqualify himself from from likability in the next chapter. This
2: next conversation we're about to have. Yes. Okay. wait, before we say that, I have I have um, just one Joshua opinion that I'd like to sprinkle in here. The first time that Joshua read The Lost Hero, uh, he said something really interesting about Jason that really stuck with me um because you know Joshua was a white male but anyway he says he said that reading from Jason's perspective was refreshing One, because we don't have so much emotional connection. We're not really, really concerned about him, you know? Every time we read from Percy's perspective, every time we read from Annabeth's perspective, we're, like, so emotionally invested and we care about what's happening so deeply that Jason's just a nice nice breath of fresh air. And he constantly does the thing where when he knows something, he tells people. Like, Jason, all throughout The Lost Hero... Just tells everyone everything all the time. And then the second he does this crap to Annabeth and Mark of Athena, I'm like, okay, done. Like, you're one redeeming quality <laughs> out the frickin' window. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because this. Like, Jason is literally keeping a huge secret from Annabeth, and she doesn't trust him. She, he kind of knows about the Mark of Athena a little bit, or something. He knows something about it, and she, he's not helping her, and Annabeth is right to distrust him. I think that's a totally correct note that you made, and I'm sorry that I took the reins on that. No, no, thank
0: that's you. Absolutely. That This is, like, the exact next thing that happens in this conversation between Jason and Piper, where he won't even tell Piper, because Piper is, of course, actually friends with Annabeth and would try to help her in this quest that Jason does... He doesn't disclose a ton of information, but basically what we get from him is that the Mark of Athena is something that he knows a lot about because of the proprietorship that it might be something that is potentially dangerous for Rome. That's what the rumors are in the Roman camp, that if someone ever succeeds on this quest to follow the Mark of Athena, that it would bring about the downfall of Rome because of whatever they find. And also, we get that it's incredibly, incredibly dangerous, but we're not sharing. He doesn't want to share any of this information because he thinks that Annabeth is going to do, like, basically use this to destroy Rome. So he's holding off on it.
2: Again... Annabeth versus Jason is such a much more interesting dynamic. Can we get someone on a fanfic? That's
0: that's a fanfic I would read. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Maybe it's out there. We haven't searched for it extensively, but...
1: I can't think of any. And also because, like, it just makes me feel like they don't care about Annabeth and, like, what she's going through. Like, I know there's a hundred things going on with this quest, and the prophecy is really confusing, and there's all of these tangents they're supposed to be following, and they're trying to save Nico, but at the same time, like, Annabeth is, like having nightmares and like also getting possessed and like freaking out about this thing. And no one is helping her. And not to mention like that
2: one part of the prophecy that's fairly concrete is wisdom's daughter walks walks alone. alone. The mark mark of Athena Athena burns through Rome. That's pretty blatant. Like, Mm -hmm. like we all kind of need to team up here and help Annabeth out. Like that's the one clear piece of the prophecy.
1: And we're going to take a quick break before we hit back on the Percy perspective
0: chapters. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we've all been glued to our devices more than ever. I might have spent a moment or two on YouTube and Twitter myself. Our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter blue is also a force for good. How about that? It provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age. Our digital age. Wow. And Baxter Blue is giving our listeners, that's you, that's you, 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know you'll feel the difference.
1: All right. And so we are back and we are back in Percy's perspective for the first time, right? Since son of Neptune. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. First time in this book. It's so nice to return. I feel at home. So nice to come back. Um, Percy is talking about his nightmares as usual. He's working through his post-traumatic stress from drowning for the first time in his life, which was really scary for him in the bog, um, which they don't call it a bog. What do they call it? Like a, a an Alaskan bog. Okay, it doesn't matter. Carter's telling me it doesn't matter. Shut (laughs) up. He's like, I have to control the fear of drowning. Otherwise, it's going to control me. True. He's working on that. He's trying to get through it. So interesting. And then he has this dream vision of the two twin giants that they're seeking out. Um, Otis and the other one is going by Effie. And these two giants are serving you black turtlenecks. They're serving you... Theatrical energy. They're trying to put together a big performance. I kind of love it. I wrote that in our notes like it does have some like undeniable like gay villain energy. Yeah. But as I kept reading, I was like, oh, I just love this. <laughs> like this is gonna be a this- stretch. But have you seen
2: Teen Beach movie? I actually haven't. Wait, what really? Wait, Carter, you have though, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: so like the villains in that, they're pretty similar. <laughs> The guy who's trying to stop the weather?
0: I see it. I see it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives me the same vibes just a little bit. Also, Erica, how are you? Musical
1: theater major that hasn't seen Teen Beach movie. It's amazing. I don't know, because I also am kind of a Ross Lynch-like apologist, so I should I watch it. I love
2: Ross Lynch. Oh, my gosh. I think he should
1: be more famous
2: Ross than he He's good in he it. it. It really doesn't make sense I, why he's not I more want famous. I myself. I don't want to share him with the world, so I disagree. <laughs> he's, I think uh, he's, he's very good I really good in it. I love R5.
0: He's also especially good in Teen Beach movie 2, I feel. Not... The ac- but the vocal performance in Teen Beach Movie 2 is excellent. He really blossoms.
1: On my own. On my own. On my so own. That was a moment. You know what he doesn't blossom, however, is in seasons one through four. <laughs> uh, that's why it makes me upset, because I feel like he's better. Anyway. Dream switches again to Nico. Yes. trapped, barely surviving. We think he's been there for three days. He's got five days left, um, based on the pomegranate seeds, which we'll talk about after we finally like see him for the first time in this book after finding out that he's missing um he's like meditating like barely breathing yeah
0: half dead basically and Percy's trying to talk to him doesn't work
2: it's sad I love Nico so much it honestly
0: it's painful sometimes I love him so much. Ugh. It's so good. The way that we only get just, like, this,
1: like, quick... Like, you wrote, like, crumb. Crumb of a scene. And then he gets woken up. It's like, oh, my God. Like, Nico just maintains this extreme, like, mysterious outside-of-the-seven vibe. that yes. And he's on his own the solo outside journey. Outside-of-the-seven and
0: having this weird, tense relationship with Percy. Also, because that's who's finding out about this in the dream. And now that's just a whole...
1: And because who wakes him up out of this dream?
0: Okay. Annabelle.
1: That blonde girl. Mean potatoes time, everybody. This is,
0: this, is, this is why we turned on the mic today. This
1: is why I got out of bed this morning.
2: <laughs> um, I have to say, I did not know they were giving me this section of the book. So I feel honored to be a part of this moment in your podcast. It's truly... Really, and it is a
0: moment. Thank you. I feel
1: valiant and honored. Thank you.
0: It's it's true. We will
1: do several. We'll read a lot of it. We won't read all of it, but we will read, like, I feel like we can go in bursts. (laughs) And at
0: some point in the next day, you should read it. Just, Just treat yourself. Take the time. It is worth it.
1: All right. For those of you reading along at home, page 157. Let's do this. The image faded, and a girl's voice whispered. Percy? At first, Percy thought he was still asleep. When he'd lost his memory, he'd spent weeks dreaming about Annabeth, the only person he remembered from his past. As his eyes opened and his vision cleared, he realized she was really there. She was standing by his berth, smiling down at him. Her blonde hair fell across her shoulders. Her storm gray eyes were bright with amusement. He remembered his first day at Camp Halfblood five years ago, when he'd woken from a daze and found Annabeth standing over him. She had said, you jewel when you sleep. She was sentimental that way. What's going on, he asked. Are we there? No, she said, her voice low. It's the middle of the night. You mean Percy's heart started to race. He realized he was in his pajamas in bed. He probably had been drooling or at least making weird noises as he dreamed. No doubt he had a severe case of pillow hair and his breath didn't smell great. You sneaked into my cabin. Annabeth rolled her eyes. Percy, you'll be 17 in two months. You can't seriously be worried about getting into trouble with Coach Hedge. Uh, Have you seen his baseball bat? Besides, seaweed brain, I just thought we could take a walk. We haven't had any time to be together alone. I want to show you something. My favorite place on the ship. Percy's pulse was still in overdrive, but it wasn't from fear of getting into trouble. Can I, you know, brush my teeth first? You'd better, Annabeth said, because I'm not kissing you until you do. And brush your hair while you're at it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! What a
0: moment. What a moment. Let's Just, dive in. We're starting back. We start this moment with a callback to the very first time they interact with each other. We get, you drool in your sleep, the mm-hmm. callback. The sequel. Wow. Wow. We've come such a long way. Damn. That's, that's so powerful. We have that. We have Rick very interestingly dancing around this thing of them being in Percy's room in the middle of the night. <laughs>
2: Seventeen, you can't possibly be worried about getting in trouble with Coach Hedge. Bold of Annabeth,
1: Annabeth. bold of her. That is my queen right there. She said, "I'm waking him up in the middle of the night. It's time for something." (laughs) She goes there. She wakes him up. He's in his PJs. She says, "I woke you up in the middle of the night. Go brush your teeth, bitch. We're going on a cute adventure." Um, I think that we need to read another moment.
2: Like, I I love that they're like flirty and stuff in this chapter but really their emotional
1: bond just goes so deep in this chapter it's so sweet absolutely I think we should like go through it meticulously like find a tooth comb and we can read sections that we want because like we said it's what makes us get out of bed in the morning I'll say it once so we don't have to say it again but it's like the perfect mix of like they're really cute and young and like so sweet and also their bond is so deep emotionally and also they're like really horny teenagers
2: <laughs> and it's they're like it's
1: pulsating. it's all of it all of it wrapped up into one and that's what like makes it so good and like this writing from rick is just like oh so rich but that opening scene launches us into this whole just literally perfection chapter they're
0: they're wandering through annabeth is leading him somewhere they're going through the engine room winding around these other spaces under the boat with her leading him to some mysterious other location he says that it reminds him of Yancey Academy, which is just another... There are all these, like, throwbacks in here to, to, the, to the first book, to The Lightning Thief. Yeah. To remind us oh. of, like, the nature of their relationship and the length of their yes. relationship.
1: Oh, yes. It's
0: so powerful. They're best
1: friends. And they're, like, both thinking about it. Because, like, we get these all of these callbacks, like you said, to Percy thinking about when they were 12. And then Annabeth also brings it up, like, a couple pages later. Yeah. And she's like, we were 12 when we met. And they're just on the same page they are synced up
0: so they they go off and they have their picnic in the stables for the pegasi it, oh, this is such a visually iconic moment like i'm i'm so ready for them to commit this to video it's yeah it's these uh, bay doors on the bottom that can open up to allow pegasi to come through it's unused because of course the pegasi don't like to be cooped up they don't like stables <laughs> um and and They're just sitting on the, yeah, the bottom, the glass bottom of the boat that is flying through the sky.
1: Blue, do you want to read it? I can do
2: it. Yes! You know why I like it here? It's not just the view. What does this place remind you of? Percy looked around, the cages, the stables, the celestial bronze lamp hanging from the bean, the smell of hay, and of course Annabeth sitting close to him, her face ghostly and beautiful in the soft amber light. That zoo truck, Percy decided, the one we took to Las Vegas. Her smile told him he'd gotten the answer right. That was so long ago, Percy said. We were in bad shape, struggling to get across the country to find that stupid lightning bolt, trapped in a truck with a bunch of mistreated animals. How can you be nostalgic for that? Because, seaweed brain, it's the first time we really talked to you and me. I told you about my family, and she took out her camp necklace, strung with her dad's college ring and a colorful clay bead for each year at Camp Half Blood. Now there was something else on the leather cord. "'a red coral pendant Percy had given her "'when they had started dating. he brought it back from his father's palace "'at the bottom of the sea. "'And Annabeth continued, "'It reminds me how long we've known each other. "'We were 12, Percy. "'Can you believe that?' "'No,' he admitted. "'So you, you knew you liked me from that moment.' "'She smirked. "'I hated you at first. "'You annoyed me. "'Then I tolerated you for a few years. "'Then, okay, fine.' She leaned over and kissed him good, a proper kiss without anyone watching. No Romans anywhere, no screaming satyr chaperones. She pulled away. I missed you, Percy. Percy wanted to tell her the same thing, but it seemed too small of a comment. While he had been on the Roman side, he kept himself alive almost solely by thinking of Annabeth. "I missed you," didn't really cover that. Oh um, my God. Chills. Oh chills literal chills God. i missed you I missed didn't you really, didn't cover, really that. cover that and then and then that ties to like the fact that she was his tie to the mortal world when he went into the River Styx. she was the only constant thought he had when he
1: had no memory like that's love also like that that moment also hits so different after seeing Nico. like also, in this life or death situation, what is he surviving on? Literally, like pomegranate seeds. Percy like kept himself alive by thinking about Annabeth because like that is his. He just has that relationship, and they have this. Body. Yeah, I know
2: you covered this in your in your Son of Neptune um, episodes. I think you I think you breathed through it, but it definitely calls me back to that moment where he's running through a library and he slams his hand on the table because he's so frustrated, and he's like, "I feel Annabeth. This is something she would like, but I don't know why."
1: And it's just like this constant reminder that they're soulmates. They literally are. I don't know. This is like the sweet part they're remembering, right? So we saw them be cute and wake each other up. And now we see them reminiscing about their time together. And then after they have this like really sweet moment together and we feel like, oh, the weight of like, I missed you doesn't cover it. And then they start talking about the future. (laughs) So then they get into this conversation. These are the components of a love letter. Like,
2: I know this because I'm doing some research on writing my vows um, because I'm going Uh, to be married soon, uh, and it's kind of like this journey that you go through when with yourself when you're writing the vows. You like you think about the past and like you think about how you met and how you grew up together and like or, or like that's in my case how you grow up together and how you become best friends and you become like this like, these separate people that have a bond like that in the past, and, like, you focus on that, and then you focus on the present where you're at right now and, like, how happy and wonderful and safe you feel now, and then you focus on the future. Like, these are the components of a love letter. These are the components of vows. And it's just constant here in their relationship, the way that they talk to each other. And that's how I feel about
1: it. It just really shows that, like, Rick is a man who has, like, been in love and, like, knows how to, like, give you that, like, I don't know, just, like, write a really loving relationship. So then they talk about... The future, and Percy starts dropping this stuff about New Rome and everything that we've been talking about. Hearing from him, like he's you know thinking about the kids running around the cafes <laughs> and all of that stuff. And <laughs> Annabeth is basically like, I I just don't know, Percy. Like we may never be welcome back in New Rome ever again as like Greek demigods. So like you may need to just let go of that fantasy. And Percy says, I know, but while I was there, I saw so many demigods living without fear, kids going to college, couples getting married and raising families. There's nothing like that at Camp Half-Blood. I kept thinking about you and me. And maybe someday when this war with the giants is over. It was hard to tell in the golden light, but he thought Annabeth was blushing. Oh, she said, Percy was afraid he'd said too much. Maybe he scared her with his big dreams of the future. She was usually the one with the plans. Percy cursed himself silently. I
2: feel so many things.
0: Yeah.
1: I know. We're all just like, it's just so sacred. i just, it's
2: very emotional. It's just like, it's very late at night on a Monday and I'm talking to two people I really enjoy and, <gasps> and I uh, like, I'm thinking about
1: Persebeth and I just feel very warm at the moment no, and, and that's how no. I feel. Also, just, like, questioning, like, is love real? And then, like, reading something like this is, like, so, like, emotionally exhausting to do as a young adult, yeah. you know? I mean, like, that's what this podcast is about. I had
2: just turned 18, and, um, like, the day after we started dating, Joshua was like, I think one day you're going to be my wife. And I was 18, and it was terrifying. And, wow, love is just sorry.
0: God, that <laughs> was so gross.
2: I love I like- it back. I feel nothing. <laughs> I take it back. I have no emotions. None whatsoever. Don't perceive me. I cannot just make a reference to my own love life. I promise.
1: Um, okay. They talk about the future together. And then there's this other paragraph, which I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. He says, as long as he'd known Annabeth, he still felt like he understood so little about her. Even after they'd been dating several months, their relationship had always felt new and delicate like a glass sculpture. He was terrified of doing something wrong and breaking it. And then he apologizes and Annabeth is like, no, 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 that's so sweet. So that is an interesting moment because I feel like at least it stood out to me as something like I didn't necessarily perceive their relationship as having this like walking on glass feeling. What about you guys?
0: Yeah, I was confused the first time I read this, but I feel like I could understand where he's coming from in that, like, I don't think that their relationship is actually fragile, but I can understand that they're in perhaps a place where after this unplanned unwanted several month gap that they had where
2: yeah they truly actually have been apart for several several months so that's definitely put a strain on their relationship yeah like
0: it it makes sense to me that he'd be extra anxious about it and like it seems like a lot of the relationship dynamic does involve like even though they have i feel like a strong understanding of each other that there's a level on which percy does like put Annabeth on a pedestal in a way that I think is, like...
2: Probably, yeah. yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. fine, but,
0: like, does... I agree. Like, there are these, like, little shades moments in this conversation where you can see him being, like just like not even questioning it just being like oh but annabeth is like the perfect demigod child annabeth she's is, literally perfect um, she's,
1: he says that yeah and and like i yeah. feel like
0: that comes through in the form of him being a little bit more anxious about the relationship that's my rationalization for it there's someone else's rationalization in the documentary.
2: i would like to make a call back to the demigod diaries because <laughs> percy makes a comment in the demigod diaries about we still have to talk about those Yes, you do and I can't wait for the day. <laughs> Percy makes a comment there about how he's still learning how to be your boyfriend and I think that that's applicable here like Percy knows how to be Annabeth's best mm-hmm. friend he knows how to like have a relationship with her but like I mean talking about their future talking about potentially getting married or having kids like that's that's a big step for anyone to yeah. take and they have been apart for several months so I think that's where the small insecurity is coming from. I don't think he's questioning about their relationship. I don't think he's on the rocks per se. I don't think it like calls to their fragility, or like any any fragility in their relationship. Yeah. I think it calls to his own small insecurities. Mm-hmm. And I say small because like he very they cl- very clearly have a strong relationship. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just like he's still learning how to be a boyfriend, and he doesn't quite know what the boundaries or the rules are.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. To Neither me. does
2: she because she's sneaking into his cabin late at
1: night. But. I, I totally agree. He says, like, their relationship had always felt new and delicate, like a glass sculpture. So that makes us think, like, oh, like, is are they actually not as close as we thought they were? But I do, I kind of, this was my opinion about it. Like, I agree that, like, I think that he does hold Annabeth up on a pedestal, which, like, I appreciate to some degree. And then at some point it does become like, it creates a tension because he has these like expectations of her and like how perfect she is, which are also expectations she has of herself, which are like, is something like she's trying to figure out. But also I do still get the feeling like throughout the first five books and also still that like, she has a lot to work through with like Luke and that whole situation. And like, she absolutely has trust issues. And she was, I mean, she ran away as a kid and then she found out that like her only family, like she got abandoned by uh, Talia and then Luke turned out to be a supervillain, you know? And, but then at the end she still saved him. And so that bond is like so confusing for her. And I feel like she has this part of her that is still very, very, very closed off, which we see on the next page or in like a couple pages where she like, She kind of shuts down and like doesn't tell him what she's thinking she has like a part of herself that is still locked and that Percy that's the part that like he feels like if he bumps up against that then that is like delicate for them and that she has these things that she's still working through and so like that's just that's where I feel like that's coming from and I totally understand it
0: I think it is important to conceive of Percival especially at this point in terms of the actual narrative of the book but also just as like if and when Rick ever stops writing about them it will not be having like completed the story I'm assuming like I don't think he's going to try mm. to write to a point where they're like elderly and dying and we'll always like whatever understanding we have like of the
1: epilogue at the end of Harry Potter oh, God. <laughs>
0: Don't remind me of the epilogue <laughs> from Harry Potter. God, disastrous. <laughs>
1: but um, well, I thought we could get through this episode
2: without talking about the dreaded books. i,
0: I <laughs> Every okay. episode you we try, fun. and we were born in the late nineties. It's, okay. it's just how you it know, works. <laughs> <all right. laughs> but like, it, but my point is just that like we do still see their relationship growing at like throughout this part of the books, even though. Some people, I feel like, would have taken Last Olympian before we knew. No, we, we always knew there was going to be a sequel series. But, like, I don't know. The, the point is just that it's not static, and it's not weird that they have things to work through and, like, new areas yeah. of their relationship to unlock. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Yes, which is great, because after this moment of talking about the future, they start talking more about, like, the present moment and, like, what's bothering them. They talk about, like, Percy's like, I've been having nightmares. And they start, like, communicating about that. And Percy's like, it's nice to be back in, like our little shtick where like Percy's ignorant about stuff and Annabeth explains it super (laughs) cute. They're dynamic. Um, and then Annabeth starts talking about what's bothering her with like Athena and this Mark of Athena thing. She misuses
0: the word schizophrenia here.
1: Yes. Which we want to keep mentioning. That word is
2: misused frequently. Like I, they use this phrase to describe what's going on with the gods a few times. Yeah, and it happens I a lot. Dislike yeah.
1: it. Yeah, and th- that's where we get the line of like Percy being like Annabeth was the perfect demigod child. Like her mom would never be mad at her. Um,
0: yeah, everyone has their own upbringing. Everyone has their own backstories. This is the kind of thing that really makes me like. I know that there are ass- like like we talked about. Like this is not a good. I feel like final stage to be in a relationship. But, like, this as, like, part of the development of, of a strong bond and of attraction is something that does really, like, activate a part of my brain, you know?
1: <laughs>
0: I find it really cute. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But then this is the part he's like, I, I expected her to say something else, and she, like, doesn't. She just kind of, like, shuts down here. She told you what's bothering me, but I don't know if I want to talk about it anymore. And he says he wanted to make her feel better, tell her it would be okay, but he knew he couldn't. He wanted to fix everything for both of them so they could have a happy ending. After all these years, even the cruelest gods would have to admit they deserved it. But he had a gut feeling that there was nothing he could do to help Annabeth this time, other than simply be there. How mature for two freaking 16-year-olds! like Amen. This is almost an unrealistically mature moment. Like for percy to have the emotional intelligence to be like i'm just gonna sit here with you because there's no use in me prying about this and this is probably the best thing i can do
0: that is Mm. a (laughs) construct, as a moment (laughs) this has been like a through line through the books the idea of yielding that that, that, there are times where the most powerful thing you can do is to to step back and recognize that someone else's agency and someone else's power and to reflect on the fact that you can't Do everything for everyone, even though you have certain obligations to try to take care of the people around you. It does resonate very strongly because this is something that we talked about in the first book series, but we hadn't seen it explored in the context of these specific relationships because we got this thing at the end where Percy did save both his friends and the world.
1: Mm.
0: And it's so important.
2: It's so important. I think it reminds me of uh, the moment in Battle of the Labyrinth mm. when she's really stressed about this quest and yep. he doesn't have a lot that he can say, but she just wants a hug, you know? Yes. It really reminds me of that moment where he's like, oh, like I can be her. I can be there for her in this way. Like I can just be here. And
1: yeah. I, I agree. It's it's very important. And also how Percy has grown from this thing in Battle of the Labyrinth where he was very much like Annabeth's being weird, like why is she acting like this, and to this. And then she really surprised me. She held out her arms. Why did I? To this moment where he really like understands what she needs. I mean, you know, the bars on the floor for men, but like (laughs) impressive. And this is the moment where I feel like the exact point that I feel like Percy's like, well, this is fragile. It's that moment of like bumping up against the wall, and then him taking a moment to be like, okay, and then the yielding. This next quote.
0: We're doing another reading just in case it wasn't clear that last section was also a reading from the text and we're gonna do one more
1: (laughs) so percy's like i'm just gonna simply be there with her they're thinking about this wisdom's daughter walks alone um, statement which is telling percy that like he is gonna have to let annabeth like be independent to a certain degree on this quest and at a certain point he's gonna have to let her go right we'll figure everything out she said i've got you back for now that's all that matters Right, Percy said. No more talk about Gaia rising, Nico being held hostage, the world ending, the giants. Shut up, seaweed brain, she ordered. Just hold me for a while. They sat together, cuddling, enjoying each other's warmth. Before Percy knew it, the, My heart. D- the drone of the ship's engine, the dim light, and the comfortable feeling of being with Annabeth made his eyes heavy and he drifted to sleep. When he woke, daylight was coming through the glass floor, and a boy's voice said, Oh, you are in so much trouble. <laughs> Yay. it's so good I love
2: that it's Frank that finds them but oh my god it would have been so much funnier if it were Leo <laughs> I, Leo would
1: have That's made some have disgusting to say about that. comment that made me <laughs> yeah, uncomfortable I think it would have just been so much funnier, though. Unpopular. I'm right. glad it was Frank, though, and not like actually Coach Hedge because
0: that would have s- been, been that awful. would not have been fun. That would have been an emotionally scarring funny. experience.
1: If it were <laughs> Hazel, it would have been bad. It also would
0: have been bad. Yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah, I think Frank's the, the perfect medium. I would say, shut up, seaweed brain, just hold me for a while. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Beautiful. Wow. are you okay? Carmen? Yeah,
0: no, it's yeah, I okay, I feel like this is both a crush for Rick to explicitly be like the one time they're alone together they did not have sex in case you were wondering readers of this middle grade fiction series but also it is really cute I mean
1: they're YA books so there's only so much you can allude to but in the age of like again I've been watching a lot of Riverdale and it just feels like exhausting at a certain point when the teens are like having sex a lot and it's just nice to see this relationship like develop in a way that doesn't like involve that
2: i i don't like to watch sex on tv i don't like to read about it it makes me uncomfortable i just have to say i also love that rick is like no fucking on this shit it's good Makes me comfortable. Makes me (laughs) comfortable, too. Way to make this about me again. That's really what a podcast is. You've had a lot of better guests than me. We
1: are not doing that.
2: (laughs) You need to kick me out. We're not doing the imposter
1: syndrome. No. (laughs) So sorry. I'm so sorry. You're a great guest. Sorry, I'm not Frank. (laughs) Yeah, the last thing I have to say is like, revisit our Persibeth playlist after you listen to this episode. Like, end this episode and then go straight to our Persibeth playlist because we all need to listen to a little I Will Follow You Into the Dark while rereading. This chapter from Percy's perspective, it will be the emotional catharsis that
2: we need. I have to think I have to thank Carter because now every time I hear that song, not only do I think of Percy Beth, which already happened before, but now I hear Carter's voice in my <laughs> mind when I listen to it. And it's not unpleasant. I'm not technically complaining. It's just, I'd like you to know that you've now permanently affected me for probably the rest of my entire oh, life. Oh,
0: wow. That's, I literally that's hear a lot of responsibility. we are going
2: to quit <laughs> every, this podcast. Every time I listen to Death Cab for Cutie, which is probably too often for someone who claims to be mentally stable, but every time I'm like, oh, remember when Carter said that? <sighs> Wow, I think we should take a shot for Honestly, every time now? that I've embarrassed myself on this podcast. <laughs> that would be good for our listeners. No, to you're do. literally,
1: you're like perceiving Carter right now, and it is like <laughs> embarrassing <them>. us. <laughs> Stop perceiving us. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My bad. There's probably nothing more climactic and special we could end this episode on. That's a good place um, to
0: close.
1: Please go have a bowl of ice cream or do something that helps you like sort through your feelings, as we will yeah. now go into. Um, Does anyone have final closing thoughts on these, what do we do, like four chapters?
0: I would really recommend, like just to reiterate, I think we said this earlier, but I think it is very worthwhile to take five minutes out of your week after listening to this and actually just reread that section because it is so rich and lovingly written. It's good fun. It is
1: chapter 13 in the mark of athena i just spent several seconds deciphering we the narrative three that.
0: chapters for this episode but that's completely they're fine.
1: really important <laughs> the they are really end. important chapters listen we are
2: stalling until the show comes out this scene's going to be really beautiful if we ever get there, but it's going to be really gorgeous because it's just so beautifully written that they're best friends and
1: soulmates and just really love each other unconditionally and it's gorgeous. Absolutely. And you know what, Blue, I know we already asked you this, but just for the sake of ceremony so and tradition. You didn't even ask me, I just blurted it out like a- <laughs> <laughs> Blue. Do you believe Percibeth is the greatest love story ever told? Nah. <laughs>
2: A full word without breaking, <laughs> break um, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I like Jason and the Brick, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my own personal love story comes close. Taylor Swift's love
1: story is up there, but yes, Persibet is the greatest love story ever told. Our listeners will like that, Carter won't, but our listeners will. Thanks for mentioning. Will you just stop exposing me I as had,
0: a non Taylor Swift stan on the internet. I, I want to mention live Taylor Swift
2: on this podcast. <laughs> Stevie Green's only flaw that it is a Percebeth podcast that
1: never makes taylor swift I that's mean, it's only that if we talked about taylor swift there would be no difference between us and return to camp half-blood we have to like have some kind of like defining we have yeah, to keep man, it separate you know? a i love
2: them if you're listening to this Half Blood, i adore you guys they're in the sophomore year of their bf they're not listening to our
1: podcast
2: i was listening to their podcast and they were all like oh yeah i was born in 2001 and i was like you were born in what weird, yeah. and i was what born in 99 that's their There's other difference that's not a big of a difference
1: yeah it's not a big difference but it freaked it me out Oh, sorry, you can cut all this. No, it is, because they're, like, really Gen Z. Like, they're more Gen Z than Amen. Samuel and Diego are. No, it's And that's, like, they're the God. Gen Z. It's they're literally really out here, like, I was late to recording because I had to get my latte. Here's our Taylor Swift playlist this week, and I'm living for it every time. Whereas we okay. mention
0: Harry Potter on every uh, episode, like weaklings. Yeah.
1: sipping from my Hydro Flask like an adult. Oh, <laughs> A boring adult. How interesting. <laughs> all right. <laughs> with my sippy lid that helps me drink more water because i'm too weak to untwist my cap (laughs) on that note blue thank you oh so very very much for joining us tonight you did a great job thank you for being such a supporter of our show it really means a lot and we can't wait to have you back on in the future so i get to come back oh there's like a lot (laughs) of books i'm I'm, so happy to be
2: here thank you so much um, I feel I feel truly lucky to be able to know you in the way that I do and to exist in the same universe as Seaweed Brain. So thank you so much for having me, Carter and Erica. I will oh. hear you in my car <laughs> tomorrow when you release the next episode. Ooh, <laughs> All
0: right. Cool. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye. Bye.